Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 to 58. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant a body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendour of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendour of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendour, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendour. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the per imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up, up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Good morning, welcome. My name's Colin. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we've just finished uh, looking at Mark's Fast and Furious Gospel. Um, go back and read it, it's a cracking read. Um, and it ended with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Well, today we're thinking about our own resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, Paul says Jesus is the first fruits. That is, he's like the first one of many to be resurrected. The promise is we will be resurrected too. This is my uncle Frank. Actually, it's the service sheet from my uncle Frank's funeral. 
Uncle Frank was a great bloke, very eccentric. You know, he used to start a conversation halfway through and eventually work his way back to the start of it. He used to keep bees. Um, he was always the last one to take off his paper crown at Christmas lunch. But after struggle with ill health, Frank died aged nearly 76. Now, you know, might notice from the service booklet there, it was held in a crematorium. Frank's body, not to put too fine a point on it, was burnt to ashes. What's left is not even chemically recognisable as Frank Taylor. Now, Frank was a solid Christian guy, a true believer who ran the race, however eccentrically, to the end. Now, let's assume we've been convinced by Paul's argument in this chapter so far that Jesus rising from the dead blazed the trail for all who believe in him so that we will be raised just like he was. So that means Frank will, just like Jesus, be bodily resurrected, alive again. But I mean, come on, how? I mean, Frank's body is ash scattered on the flower beds that he kept for his bees. Quite literally, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. How can God put him back together? And in what kind of body? Is he going to be all like glowy like Anakin Skywalker in Jedi? Is he going to be an invisible entity bothering his wife like Patrick Swayze in Ghost? Like those are the big questions for today's talk and these are the questions that Paul's addressing in this letter. So verse 35, have a look. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Someone here is, is on about, is someone in the church at Corinth, which, to cut a long story short, is a problem child of a church. Lots of division, lots of wrong belief. And for whatever reason, it seems some in the church were denying the future bodily resurrection for Christian believers. So the rest of this passage is Paul answering those questions. The, the answer puts some muscle on about how we think about resurrection so we can firm up our hope and keep going. So to see how he does this, I've got three main headings, if you want to write yourself a little outline. The first two is Paul helping us get our heads around um, these resurrection bodies. So the first heading is a body transformed, a body transformed. And then our second heading is a body that fits. And finally, the third heading is how this is how we're going to respond to all this in the here and now a body that is firm so first up a body transformed how can we get our heads around this resurrection body how is uncle frank going to stop being a pile of ash well verse 36 our bodies must be transformed how foolish now he's not saying he's not being rude these are good questions. He's just saying, you've not factored God into your, your reasoning. How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. So when we're resurrected, what comes out of the ground will be different to what goes into the ground. What comes out of the ground will be different to what goes into the ground still somehow tangibly the same person but radically transformed 
When I was at Bible College, we did ministry experience out in the country, and I stayed on a farm. And there was one morning there, Mike the farmer, oh, he was in tears. And he showed me this big trailer full of grain tethered to the back of his tractor. And, and sobbing, he said, look at all those seeds. The poor things, I've got to bury them. Every single one. I'll never see them again. He was bereft. Well, of course he wasn't. Because Mike the farmer knew that we sow the body of seed knowing that they will transform into something completely different looking, a different kind of body. And I don't have to make an, an illustration up here because Paul's already done it for us. Of course, we know the illustration even better. We know that if we look at an acorn and look at its DNA, it'll be the same DNA as the oak tree that it turns into. And so it will be for our bodies at the resurrection, tangibly really still the same thing, but radically, tra radically transformed. And here's the encouragement for us to persevere. It's us, ourselves, that will be raised. Different, yeah, but still us. Not some essence or vibe or edited highlights, but you, me, transformed and perfected by God. And thankfully, Paul gives us like the Haynes manual, a bit of a guide to our resurrection bodies, what transformations we can expect. And they're in verses 42 to 44. And I've just summarised the changes on the screen here. Perishable to imperishable. So we'll go from you go into the ground like a bag of packaged supermarket salad, salad, washed and ready to rot. But we'll come out with bodies that last forever dishonour to glory. So that's not shameful dishonour, just more sort of lowly compared to glorious. Uh, it's your tracky dacks versus your best copping off power trousers, you know. Weakness to power. So susceptible to catching every cold that comes along, um, easily falling into sin, transformed to sinless perfection and perfect health forever. And natural or physical to spiritual, now, that's going to take a bit of unpacking, which brings us to our next point. Our second point, a body that fits. So have a look there at verses 38 to 41. Paul shows us that there are loads of different kinds of bodies. There's fleshy bodies, you know, human, animal, fish, birds. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, each with its own kind of splendour. And the point is that there are different kinds of bodies for different spheres of existence. So we need a body that fits for where we're going. Our perishable, natural or physical bodies are not compatible with eternity and being in a holy God's presence. We need the right body for the job. That's what Paul means by spiritual body in verse 44. It doesn't mean immaterial, transparent, like a spirit or a ghost. And we know that because he uses the word soma for body, which always means a solid body. Now, the sense here is more of a supernatural body, one that will fit our new supernatural situation. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but I'm not from around here. Uh, and you probably think I've got a bit of an accent. But let me tell you, when I go back to Manchester, where I'm from, if I don't tidy my accent back up 
to its original Mancunian, I'm going to get, I get lots of stick for sounding Aussie. I need the right accent for the right world that, I'll, that I'm in. Here's a photo of my sister. Uh, she's an intensive care nurse in the UK. And here she's in full protective personal equipment, PPE, because she was looking after patients suffering from COVID-19. And there's been lots of controversy in the UK and elsewhere as healthcare workers are being put at risk uh, to their own health because of a lack of PPE. Indeed, some have died from workplace acquired COVID-19. My sister and others like her need equipment that is the right fit for the situation. And in eternity, we need a body that is the right fit for the situation. We need a body fit for spending eternity together with direct access to God. And verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. So how do we get this new supernatural body that's the right fit for the job? Well, we're all expert epidemiologists at the moment, aren't we? Every man and his dog seems to have an expert opinion on exactly how deadly this latest coronavirus is or isn't. And often our reaction to these things is, well, you've got to die sometime, haven't you? Something's going to get you. And it betrays our resignation to the certainty that no matter how hard we try, we're all going to pop our clogs, car kit, shuffle off, die. But there's something much, much better that is just as certain. Verses 47 and 48. The first man, that's Adam, was of the dust of the earth. The second man, that's Jesus, is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as of the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. So just as we possess a mortal earthly body as offspring of Adam, so we will possess a body fit for heaven because we belong to Jesus. He is taking on a heavenly body through his resurrection, blazing a trail for us so that we can share in his heavenly existence. So how can this encourage us? Well, the other day, some friends popped around uh, and they were just going to stand sort of at the end of the drive, two metres from the door and say hello. But then we worked out we could actually we could safely social distance under our pergola uh, and have a cup of tea together, one and a half metres apart. Now, we've been chatting with these friends on Zoom before this, but it's just not the same, is it, as seeing each other in person. Now more than ever, we're feeling that to be human means to be a physical, material being. Our bodies are part and parcel of us and the way we do relationship. Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection mean that our belonging to Jesus isn't just a, a head belief. It's not just an intangible nebulous idea that exists only in thought or heart. No, our being in Christ will be a physical, squeeze my biceps, pinch my cheeks reality with no social distancing, that lifts us from where we've ended up and transforms us for eternity. And all we have to do is belong to Jesus. So whether we've ended up in a pickling jar or vaporised in a volcano, it will not be the physical end of us. 
Verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Knowing that changes our perspective on life. So finally, we need point three, a body that is firm. Okay, so that's just a silly pun to pique your interest and keep the body theme going. But what I mean is we've got this perspective on our resurrection. With that, we can stand firm. We can stand firm because, verse 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. Mums have great phrases, don't they? My mum used to say, shape yourself. Um, I've only got two hands on the end of my arms. Oh, have you got four hands, mum? I've been running around so much, I've been meeting myself coming back. They're all phrases that describe what we all feel, that we're limited, that we're mortal, and that we're sinful. That all of us have to face death. And death is the ultimate oppressor. Death means that we struggle to make sense or meaning of our very limited time here on earth. It means we become slaves to putting death off. It means we enslave ourselves and oppress others as we try and ascribe importance and meaning to, to people and things that they were never designed to bear. But knowing we'll be resurrected, we can live life shaped by the fact that we're going to live forever in perfect supernatural bodies. Verse 58. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that you let your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So Paul's got two bits of application here. Firstly, stand firm in your faith. Don't give up on Jesus. There is no better offer. Trusting Jesus for your life is the only way to save it for eternity. Don't settle for remaining as an ungerminated seed stuck in the soil. Trust in Jesus to have the real hope of becoming a mighty oak. Don't settle for dust when you can have heaven. Secondly, you haven't got to squeeze all the meaning of life into a few short years. Life is no longer like some futile extended episode of Survivor or The Bachelor. You now live in a different reality show. You already have your meaning, eternity with Jesus. You can live in light of that, giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord, labour in the Lord. That's obeying Jesus' words, growing in your love and your knowledge of him and, his pe and God's people and telling others about him so that they can be clothed with immortality too. And knowing that all that is not in vain. So what will become of Uncle Frank? Well, here are some photos from his funeral. And you can see it was a jovial affair because my family was sure, sure that this is not the end for Frank. Standing firm in the hope that he'll receive a transformed body I expect he'll still start conversations halfway through and he'll probably still be wearing his Christmas paper crown in homage to his King Jesus as we worship him for eternity.